Welcome back to Shreds Takes, and I'm excited to be back here on this Monday, and I will be back here also on Thursday to break down the Atlantic 10 Conference, but today I wanted just to do what I normally do after a big NBA weekend, which is break down those games. So I wanted to first talk about what I thought of the Nuggets-Clippers game yesterday, because there are a lot of headlines to take out of that game, and then I also want to talk about my expectations for the Heat and Celtics series, and as well as the Lakers-Rockets game five. What about, I think, about Dan Tony getting fired and all that kind of stuff. But like I said before, I really want to talk about how the Clippers just absolutely choked yesterday or went cold, as according to Kawhi. What I, I say choking because they got outscored in the second half 64-36. to 36. They shot 26% from the floor. Kawhi was three out of 12 after starting the game five of six. And in the fourth quarter, yeah, you'll say, oh, he did score some points in the fourth quarter. They were garbage points. It didn't really matter. He missed a bunch of layups, had a bunch of bad turnovers. The, the two big turnovers he had were bad. And you also look at just the plus minuses, right? Kawhi was minus one. Marcus Morris was minus eight. Patrick Beverly was minus one. And he had just Patrick Beverly brought no impact to that game yesterday. Zero impact. And I, I really am starting to get people sick and tired of people saying that he's a great defender. He, this man's literally certified for six fouls every game. And it's not the, re, the reason why Jamal Murray is struggling is not because of Patrick Beverly. It's because of Paul George. And the reason I want to break down this game even further is just break down really what happened in the second half. Like I said before, right, 64 to 36 in favor of the Nuggets in the second half. The Nuggets shot 61%. The Clippers shot 26%. And it was just more the fact that the, the Nuggets just played harder. There were stretches in the third quarter. So to break it down a little bit, the, the Clippers were up 73 to 55 with 22 minutes to, to go in the ballgame. And what happened from that point on was just pure domination and pure heart. Gary Harris was getting rebounds left and right. The Nuggets were missing free throws. Then Gary Harris also had a possession where he literally stole the ball three times with different Clippers players. And, you know, people are going to look say Paul George had a great game yesterday. He had 33 points, which, again, that is usually a very good game. But it's also the impact of those points for him wasn't good enough. He had a minus 23 plus minus yesterday when he was on the court. And this is the problem with the Clippers. And I'm going to give you, again, with this, I, I'm giving you the, the stat line and the basic foundation of what the game was. But my takeaways are pretty simple from this, is that the Clippers are not who we think they are. I've been saying this on this podcast ever since the first round of the playoffs. They are not who we think they are. If they play the Lakers next round, the Lakers would beat them. And some people say, no, they won't, you know, because Kawhi will step up. I'm not worried about Kawhi Leonard. Even though Kawhi has had a pretty mediocre series and from his standards, He's had some great games, and he's had some pretty bad games. Game two, game three, last night, not, not great games for him. But the other three games, he's, he's really stepped up and actually had great games. But the problem with them is, is pretty simple from, from that standpoint, is really they're not who we think they are. Patrick Beverly is an overrated defender. And, yeah, they, they don't have a consistent third option. Lou Williams had 14 points, but he's not consistent right now. He's not 
he's not playing or getting the ball as much as he should. They're not moving the ball very well. They hit cold streaks and they just go ISO. And that's not going to help them out because the way they're going to win is using the three options in a continuity type of offense. You watch the Nuggets play. It's free-flowing offense. Yes, Jokic and Murray are dominating the basketball. But Jokic is also running a lot of dribble handles, a lot of movement. And he's running down the post. And he's kicking it out. He's got double team. And he's running up and setting a screen. Then, you know, Jamal Murray's coming off. And he's going to kick to a corner to Gary Harris and Michael Porter Jr. who are waiting there. But also, the Nuggets are just a resilient team. And that's the last takeaway I'll take is the Nuggets are just a resilient team. They were down 3-1 against Utah, but they're coming back and saying, you know what, we're going to not take that for granted. And we're going to, you know, show the Clippers that with our backs against the wall, we can do this. Now, I don't get why I have to take them to, from 3-1 down to, you know, overcome the series. And I personally think right now they have played like the better team in the series, even though I would say, you know, they were up, the Clippers were up three games to one. Denver really should have won game three. So you're thinking about it, the series could be over, right? And it, it really could be. But game seven will be interesting. It will come down to really Jokic and Murray have to play at the level they're playing now. I'm not worried about Jokic as much because he's actually had a very good series. Murray's been very inconsistent. Entering yesterday, he was only averaging 17.8 points again in the series on 34% shooting. And he did come up big yesterday. He really did. And I was really proud of him. 21 big points. And shot 9 13. This is with also a hurt groin, and he made big plays after big plays. But even if you look at like Michael Porter Jr. giving you 13 off the bench, right? And, you know, Monte Morris giving you seven points off the bench. Sorry, 10 points off the bench. Torrey Craig giving you seven, right? So, like, with all this in, in, in mind, I really think that the Clippers are in deep trouble. I also want to break down the Lakers and Rockets game quickly. I just want to talk about a little bit what I thought about the D'Antoni fire. What I really thought the problem with small ball is. Now, I've had Chris Alisi on this podcast before, the head coach of Manhattanville College and former coach of the Nike EYBL basketball club, the New York Rens, and New Heights, which is an Under Armour team. So he's, you know, he's coached and seen many high-level basketball players. And he was saying that he thinks small ball was here to stay. That was the direct quote. From what series, I don't know how you think small ball is here to stay because they got absolutely demolished by the Lakers. And after game one, it was a pure domination. Yes, the games were close, but I'm talking about paint points. It was a pure domination. LeBron AD did, did whatever they wanted to do. And they basically mocked the Rockets in game five for it. Westbrook was yelling to tell guys to double team him. LeBron was laughing at him. LeBron was swatting their shots left and right. AD was dominating when he had to dominate. It was just, again, it was pure dominance. They had no shot blocker. Losing Clint Capella was such a bad move on their part because you can play small. You can start four guards. That's fine. But you need a rim protector in today's NBA because so many guards are so good at getting to the basket. You need a rim protector to at least force them to kick the ball out or force them to take a tough shot at the rim. But with the Lakers, I mean, LeBron can just drive down the rent lane and, you know, he has Jeff Green challenging him to 6'8", and LeBron's 6'9". Yeah, LeBron's going to probably win that matchup every time probably. And that's the problem, I think, with the new age of NBA is that I understand that the game has moved toward a three, three-point shooting game and a more guard-dominant game, and I think that's, that, that's fine. But defensively, you always need a rim protector because you always need a guy that's going to be able to make the guards think twice about going into the paint. And that was the problem with the Rockets. It's why they got demolished in, in, from four games to one. It's why they just aren't really a championship-winning franchise. It's why D'Antoni got fired, and it's why Daryl Morey – statement about analytics always working is not always a true statement because yes they shoot a lot of threes and yes it's an efficient offense but 
if you have no one to rebound, you're getting out rebounded by 25 like if, in a game, you're not going to win. I don't care if you shoot 63s. It just, that just won't happen. And they got lucky a couple of times on that, but that's just really the problem with the Rockets overall. And on the Lakers end, the Lakers need to continue to play defense like this because if they play the Clippers or the Nuggets, they're going to be playing against better teams. And I think that if they play the Nuggets, they really just got to, you know, use AD really and, you know, JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard really get into Jokic and make it really difficult for him and be physical with him, but also just, you know, not go for his fakes and be really disciplined on the closeouts out to him on those pick and pops that he runs. And with the Clippers, it's just going to be down to the perimeter defense and Kawhi making him take tough shots and really trying to see if Paul George is legitimately going to score 30 points every game. He's had some great games. I said, like I said, and that we're going to see it hasn't, hasn't had them in others. So with the Lakers, I actually like the way they're playing. I, I think they can even get even better than what they did last series. I think that in game one, they have to come out a little bit with a sense of urgency, whoever they play. But I really love the way LeBron and AD are playing. I love the way that Rondo's coming in. Playoff Rondo is real. And yeah, I think that's just, again, on that standpoint, I think that's exceptional on their end that they're playing the way they are. And that's a bought in, not just to LeBron AD and Rondo, but the culture that Frank Vogel has brought in has just allowed them to get to this level and get to a level where you can't question LeBron. People are saying LeBron won't ever, you know, win the West. Well, he's on a way to getting one step closer to that NBA championship. Now, the last thing I want to break down was the Boston Celtics and Miami Heat series. Now, people are jumping to conclusions saying the Heat are easily going to win the East in six games over the Boston Celtics. See, I don't see it that way. I think it's going to be Celtics in seven. And the reason I believe that is I think from a talent standpoint, I trust Boston a little bit more. Now, I think the Heat have a very good team. I think Jimmy Butler is a top eight player in the NBA based on his performances in the playoffs so far. But I do believe that they were just a good matchup for the Bucs. I think that the Celtics are a tougher matchup because I don't I think Tice is actually good enough defensively to at least give Bam out of bio problems. And I think that they also have Jalen Brown. They can, they can throw on Jimmy Butler and make it tough for him. I mean, Pascal Siakam did nothing against Jalen Brown. But then you also could throw the length of Jason Tatum on a guy like Hero or, and then on, or a guy like Goran Drogic. And you have Marcus Smart. People don't realize the – Bucks didn't really have an elite perimeter defender because Eric Bledsoe was a little too small to guard those guys. Marcus Smart's 6'4", and he's first-team all-defense for a reason. And that, you know, Eric Bledsoe was second-team all-defense. I get that. But Marcus Smart was first-team all-defense for a reason because he's an irritant that is basically what Patrick Beverly is looking and wishing he was because he's a guy that actually can, you know, make shots, and he's a guy that defensively – won't get six fouls a lot of times because he's very good at keeping his hands up, staying in front of guys, using his physicality. And Boston also runs a really good pack line defense where they really allow the, 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 their switching to benefit them. Every one of the guys that can switch, that's big. Same thing with Miami. But against Giannis, that was a, that, that was a good thing for Miami because Giannis couldn't shoot. Boston has shooters. I said Boston hasn't shot well from the three-point range line in the, in the playoffs they've actually been the second lowest behind the Lakers but they have they have three guys and if they, if they get Gordon Hayward back that's going to really help them because people you know will give Gordon Hayward a little bit of you know a hard time for how he's played but he's averaging 18 and a half points a game before he left so I don't know why people are so angry about Gordon Hayward and in my opinion I take the Celtics in seven I'm I'm going to stick with that pick because I think the Celtics are a slightly more talented team. 
But, you know, the Heat have proven me wrong before, but I'm, I'm going to stick with that pick for now because I think both of these teams are very evenly matched. And I'm also basing it off the fact of, you know, I think the Celtics played one of the worst games of the year, and they were still kind of in the game in the bubble against the Heat. But it's going to come down to really who defends the best, who makes the right adjustments, and that's going to be it too. But it's going to be a great series. I'm really looking forward to it. And I think the last thing I wanted to wrap up here with is that Next episode, I will be breaking down the Atlantic 10 Conference. Like I said earlier in the show, I am really excited to break this down and talk about kind of the adjustments to teams such as like Rhode Island and George Washington and Dayton losing Obi Top and how they're going to react to that and how UMass is looking after having a bunch of transfers leave or how George Mason and Temple and LaSalle and VCU are going to look in St. Louis, St. Bonaventure. Like the, the conference is a really good conference. So I will be back on either Wednesday or Thursday to talk about that. And I encourage you guys to give my YouTube channel a subscription if you haven't already to follow my blog, which will be in the description of this episode. And also, if you enjoyed more, want to enjoy more of these videos, check it out, my podcast on other platforms and also check out my Instagram as well. So you can get the latest up-to-date information about when my podcasts are coming out and the information I will be covering. So I appreciate you guys tuning in today. I hope you enjoy your Monday. And stay positive and stay strong, everyone. Have a good one.